You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York blue. Brian. Scott. I have returned. Yay. <laughs> I was off in the Cape last week, Brian, and, and all the biggest news in New York sports seemed to hit all at once. I know. What a week. I feel Wild. like as soon as I hit send on my solo version like all hell broke loose yeah that's wild so uh before we dive into anything right now the knicks are playing a summer league game i only have at&t tv so i don't have the nba channel so i have no access to this game can you give me an update what are you seeing what are you liking what are you loving um one i love that i'm as interested in this as i am i actually don't have any i have the same thing you have i don't have nba tv so i i did a free trial through amazon channels ah. and got nba tv and i'm watching the game and uh just the fact that i would even go to those lengths to watch a knicks summer league game is an accomplishment yes for the whole franchise it is and i love everything i'm seeing i like the new guys like Lobi looks as I hoped he would, he's really improved. He's shooting well. He looks like the best player on the court quickly. I think he looks like his point guard skills have made some progress. He's like his shot hasn't quite been there, but he's looks better. Um, you know, I, I, they lost their first game. They might lose today, but like this uh, Sims, their second round pick looks really impressive. Um, Grimes and Deuce McBride, the two first, the first and the first two picks look good. Um, love it. That's great. I love to hear all of it. I am so excited for a good Obi Toppin year. Please let Obi be good. He looks good, man. I mean, his shot looks way improved, looks so much smoother. Um, he looks so much more comfortable. Still a little, like, loose with the ball, you know, like his handle, a little not tight, like seems like still a little turnover prone. But uh, other than that, he looks way improved. You know, you sent a text to the group with with Madden and also talking about how funny it is to see Tibbs sitting on the bench for a summer league game, treating it just like, you know, he's in the garden. But then it caused me to remember, you know, we didn't have this last year. The yeah. guys didn't. The coaches didn't. This is going to probably make a big difference for a lot of these young guys like Obi, you know, looked much better in the playoffs. And he was dreadful at points in the season, but he also didn't get started until the the season started and then how are you supposed to really get working at that point when you're a rookie yeah true no summer league no real preseason of any kind so like yeah he did get just thrown into the fire playing like a totally new role that he'd never done before um i'm super excited for obi me too all right well now that we're on the knicks already let's just dive in the biggest nick signing since when well you know, it's like the biggest, I mean, I don't know. This offseason was so interesting, right? Like, I, I actually, I don't know if you listen to me when I did the show myself. I, I, I compared their offseason, this is pre-Kemba, to like my kids wanted a dog and I bought them a fish. And, <laughs> and that... It was, and that the fish was nice, but it's not a dog. And I feel like people have these way too high expectations because we had all this cap space and picks and it was like the Knicks, we're back, we're going to do. And it was like, well, we got a tank and it's got some nice stuff in it. And like, but then <laughs> they made the Kemba signing. And now I feel like the off season went to like a home run, you know, like it's now like, what else could you have wanted them to do? They added like a potential all-star for like no money. Um 
you know, look, I, I want to like, I don't want to get too crazy about Kemba and like what he's capable of at this point in his career. Like he has major knee injuries. Like there's not a lot of reason to think he's going to return to the player he, he was in Charlotte. Like I, I don't think there's any realistic way to, to feel that way, but for what they paid for him, for who he still was in Boston, even a diminished version, like the improvement he is over Alfred Payton. Um, it's amazing. I mean, it's best off season I can recall the Knicks having in a very long time. It's a very complete off season because in the first couple days, I think people, the, the reaction sort of ranged from can't really tell to just what are the Knicks doing? Yeah. And you know, I, I really liked it because all we had to do well, so first of all, we, we had to avoid getting worse. I mean, anyone who didn't like us re-signing Noel, Burks, uh, or Derrick Rose, it's like, well, okay, let those guys walk, and then who plays in their spots? They're all important players on last year's team who was good, who are good. Like, if they're going to walk, you got to bring in somebody at least as good or better. So who was that person? So I had no issue even on the first day. And then you're right. Things just was like, I, I love that analogy about the goldfish, but it's just like, why our team, why, why are fan bases unhappy with just getting better? It's just like, not everything is going to bring you to the finals. Not everything is going to bring you a title. Look at all the teams that didn't make it last year. Look at all the things that can happen in an off season. You just have to make sure you got better. And we got better. And we just got more complete as we went. We solidified kind of our foundation, returning guys, role players, you know, and then uh, added Kemba and then we extended Randall. Yeah, right. I mean, oh my God, I, that's, you're right. Like I, I'm not even, I'm almost forgetting that part. Like they got Randall at a huge discount um, where that, that contract, like even if he regresses and he's not an all NBA player anymore, you're never going to look back and like hate that deal. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I think what, like, there was definitely like a sticker shock of the first, like I had come on here and said, I wanted the Knicks to like bring back the team. Like I loved that team last year. I had a lot Same. of fun rooting for it. I was like thrown at first by how expensive that turned out to be. Like I, I was not expecting <laughs> it to cost all of that. So I think that that was part of the people's reaction, but then it's like the way this offseason, everything in this offseason has worked out. It's like everything's just got better as it like. So it right. turns out the Fournier contract is a team option that last year. So it's actually only a three-year deal worth about $50 million. Same for the Rose contract and the Noel contract and the Burks contract are all like team options those last years. Um, so then those deals all actually now look a lot better because like you're not locked into this team. Um, and they make those contracts really movable as well. So then... Then the Kemba news comes and it's like, oh, wow. Now, like the the biggest need we had out there, we've like not only solved the problem, but with like a really good option. You know, it's yeah. not Dennis Schroeder. It's not um, talking yourself into Reggie Jackson. It's like a guy who at worst is a big upgrade and at best is like could, you know, transform the team. Um, and we have a platoon of guys now. Like we took Elfried Payton's spot, which was obviously the most glaring weakness on last year's team and on the franchise for God knows how long at this point. And now it's like we have depth there. We have, uh, you know, Rose and Kemba, you have to figure they're not going to play the full season for big minutes and we don't want them to either. 
But then, you know, we also have IQ as an option. We drafted Deuce McBride. Alec Burks played that role last year. Uh, you know, probably Fournier ha- can fill in in spot duty. So it's like it, it went from a weakness to like, oh, man, we have a, many options to just carry us through stretches on this team. Right. And also like the initial reaction to Fournier where it was like, oh, that for Evan Fournier. He's a good player. Yeah, He had a great Olympics. He had a great year last year. And like, how could you, if you're the Knicks, if you watched that Atlanta series, like Evan Fournier is exactly the kind of guy, like the only thing you might be kicking yourself that you didn't get Bogdanovich last year because you had the chance, but like, he's the exact kind of guy that you didn't have and they had. And so right. now you get that kind of guy. So like what 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 would be wrong with that move? I have no idea. Do you think this is very uh Machiavellian, but do what are the what do you think about the idea that Leon Rose cuz I don't understand it felt like the Knicks took longer than most other teams for the details of the contract to come out and for everyone to understand that all those guys had options on the final year of their contract and in fact i feel like it was reported fairly definitively that noel was fully guaranteed uh e1 of burks or rose i can't remember which one was fully guaranteed but that felt like that was floating out there from some pretty legit sources and then it just turned out like oh no everybody's last year of their deal is a team option do you think leon rose wanted everyone on day one to be like oh, the knicks <laughs> you know only said you know everyone drop their hands and he could give them a hard one, two right in the face. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, you know, and I, I was funny cause I was like last week feeling like after the, the first wave and this is before Kemba, I was like, look, I, I was, there's no reason to criticize the Knicks, but like the folks on here who like, there are that those Knicks fans who are like Leon Rose, like billboards and, and I wasn't yeah. there, you know, but like now when you step back and you look at it in the entirety, like, it was a pretty like the only move you could quibble with at all is like the Nerlens Noel signing, but it's like what like a, you overpaid ever so slightly for a guy we all loved and enjoyed watching and who like now does allow you like I don't want to trade Mitchell Robinson, but he does he does open up the opportunity to do it and you know solidifies a spot. It's not like they paid him a hundred million, you know, like he's a good solid player. It's like. It, paying Nerlens Noel like $3 million too much money just doesn't strike me as like a crippling. <laughs> no, I would love to know what all the Twitter cap experts feel that Nerlens Noel's actual value is. I want to know what the value is in comparison to what we paid him because I, I just did not understand the reaction to that contract. Yeah. It's a lot of money. I mean, there's not a lot of Nerlens Noels walking around. Right. He's seven like, feet tall. Like, there's only a few of those. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, who were we supposed to replace him with? Because maybe Mitch is a loose cannon. And maybe that's overstating it. But he is in a lot of trade talks. He's weird on Twitter. He's hurt all the time. You know, I like him too. And I don't want to trade him. But I am happy there is a more than competent backup to Nerland's Noel. I'm not really sure. I mean, to Mitchell Robinson, I'm not really sure what else the Knicks were supposed to do or why that was such a problem. That was the deal breaker for everybody. Like the Nerland's Noel contract. Yeah. And I get, I, you're, like, I just never heard an alternative to what they did that like, like were they, they I guess it was like, they were supposed to leave cap space or not like what sign guys to what one year deals. So that next year, like, 
I just don't buy next year's free agent class. I, it's like Zach Levine and Bradley Beal, and I don't. I just don't sense that those guys are going to actually be available. So to 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 try to like keep that cap space thing going, so that next year you can again not sign anybody. You know, like we had a really right. fun team that I really liked. I don't want to go backwards. We added two picks in the draft that I like. Now it looks like maybe even three players in the draft that I think are promising. Brought back the core of the team. Have not foreclosed any of the exciting trade opportunities. Like the Damian Lillard stuff, that's all still alive if they want to do it. So I just, there's like, what am I, what could you possibly complain about? Like, um, and you know, even, and now you've locked in your best player at, at like a really friendly contract. Um, cause even if you're thinking that Randall is not going to have the same kind of year, he was going to get a lot of money from somebody next year. Like he would get close. Maybe he wouldn't get the full 200 million that he was eligible from, but he would get damn close. Like guys who make all NBA teams get a lot of money <laughs> when they become no, free agents. No doubt about it. And I don't really know how much juice Randall has around the league. I'm probably not a ton. He's not an elite kind of all NBA guy, but that's a great signal to the rest of the league. Like, Hey, I will take, I will settle for this contract to be here and play here. This is awesome. Please come. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time you have guys doing something for the sake of being on the Knicks and like, yeah, it's not like, it's not the same as like a Dwayne Wade taking less money so that he can like, you know, whatever, or these guys who jump, but it is like, it is still something that Kemba Walker could have gotten more money and he's made a ton of money in his career and decided, you know, it'd be cool playing for this Knicks team right now. Like he could, yeah. have, he could have gotten his way to a more true contender or somebody who was just going to pay him more money. And he was like, no, it would be super fun to be on this Knicks team. And Julius Randall could have been like, I'm going to make sure I get as much money as I possibly can. Um, and, you know, like going into next year, man, it would be a story all year if he didn't sign right now and it's his free agency and how much is he going to sign for? And is it going to impact whether they can trade for this guy or that guy? And now it's not an issue. Um, and it's a huge weight off the, the, the everybody's shoulders. Right. Everybody. I mean, it's perfect. It couldn't, it couldn't have worked out better. It, just to get back to for a second to what you said about the Fournier deal. Like here's how I know that that's a good signing. Because I I didn't want to like Evan Fournier. I just did not. He's French. I don't like his hair. And I he wears sleeves under his jersey. All those one strike one, strike two, and strike three right there. That's all I needed. I I wanted to not like him. I watched him in the Olympics, and you're 100% right. He is the thing that was missing from the Knicks in the postseason last year. I was so happy that after watching him play for France that we had him. And I did not want to root for him at all. So just. (laughs) No, like true shot creation, a real shooter, like somebody who shoots well, no matter what the circumstance, like guarding him off the dribble, like can create his own shot. Just a true, true good shooter, which we have to just we didn't have last year, even though we shot it well. um, We didn't have that. It's amazing, too. We bring in him and Kemba. And yet still, I feel like this is part, this is the natural extension of last year's team. Yeah, it's right. It's the same team. Look, I mean, say goodbye to Reggie Bullock, who I will miss dearly. And I would have, you know, I I would have kept him. Um, But I get it. Um, They wanted Burks' kind of versatility and shot creation and all that. 
But, you know, again, it's like, did the Knicks have a good offseason? I literally have a summer league game paused right now in the other room so that I can get back to it when we're done here. And, like, yes, they had a good offseason. Like, I cannot wait for this season to start, this team. And, look, they might not even win as many games or, like, be the they might be the sixth seed or something this year. But they'll be a better team. And they're going to be super fun. And the upside potential is enormous. I think, and this is, I, I, I think I've, I've always known, you've been saying this for a long time. I think I've always known it on some level, even though it's hard to be more conscious of it. But I think now that I'm 40, Brian, I've been able to fully embrace the idea that all you can truly ever hope for is to go into any sports season hoping that your team is interesting. Right. Is interesting to follow, fun to watch. That's the best any of us can hope for. And then there's so much chance and luck that comes along the way that, you know, it seems like you always know who's going to win the title. And there is a certain cap on who the real contenders are. But still, you know, that's all you can hope for. And like, right, like you said, I have been following the Knicks and Knicks Twitter just as feverently as the Giants and the Giants season is imminent. But just I still get my daily injections of Knicks. Right. I mean, I'm obsessed. I've really become just so excited and interested in this team. Um, And yeah, I mean, the NBA, I just think of all the leagues, is as much a crapshoot as any of them. Um, And lucking into the right guys. And there's a lot of value in just being watchable and interesting. And everybody we think is smart now turns out to be dumb <laughs> in two days you know in all of sports right i mean i like as much as we get smarter with analytics or that we just get seemingly just as dumb like the eagles were the smartest team and now they're the dumbest the colts oh my god the colts what a genius that guy is he's a moron like you know <laughs> he just he drafted a running back and he signed a linebacker and now he's a total idiot and he's got carson wentz and they're a disaster and like you know what i mean and like right you look in basketball Daryl Morey is a visionary and he just signed Andre Drummond to like, you know, I don't know, like (laughs) nobody knows what the hell they're doing. None of us know what the hell we're doing. It's freaking darts. The only actual team that knows what they're doing is the Tampa Bay Rays and screw them. (laughs) (laughs) They're an unwatchable product and, you know, uh, the bastardization of all that is sports. But the point being that there's a lot of value in just being pretty good and fun and having your fans like you. <laughs> and that is where the Knicks find themselves. And it's a really nice place to be. Imagine that having your fans like you. <laughs> what, what a novel concept here. <laughs> and I mean, that's the thing too, honestly, Twitter, the, the first day of free agency drove me crazy. Cause I just felt like, you guys don't even want to like the Knicks. What, like, what's wrong with you? It was Knicks Twitter, too, killing that first day. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, everybody reacting, like, so strongly to the most minor move, you know? It's like, I, people don't understand how terrible this New Orleans Noel contract is. It's like, freaking Alex Caruso got, like, $40 million, you know? like Right. I watched Matthew Delvadova get, like, $50 million. Like, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're you're right. I don't understand what a problem the Nerlens Noel contract is because it's not. And no team executes this perfect series of moves 
that then achieves a championship. That's just not how these teams are actually getting built. Like, right. uh, you know what I mean? Like the Lakers, it wasn't this like carefully orchestrated plan that netted them right. LeBron and AD. It was, you know, they wanted to go there, tripping over their own dicks for a decade. And then finally having like three guys that they could trade for you know what I mean? And LeBron just yeah. wanting to live in LA. That's the only reason. Right. Absolutely. And same thing with the Clippers, right? Kawhi just wanted to live in LA and he brought Paul George with him. Right. And they sent over 18,000 first round picks and like, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really hard to win in the NBA. Um, it, 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 there's no perfect formula, whether it's the trust the process or, you know, the Celtics, like they're all failures, right? I mean, yeah, it's really hard. So there's just no perfect way to do it. Um, and I'm I like what the Knicks did, and you know they're in really good position. And it just there's just the feeling that the Knicks have some clue what they're doing is just such a nice thing, right? I mean, you just get the sense that somebody is alive and awake and <laughs> in charge of the Knicks, you know? Right? Or like likes the Knicks. Right. Like, isn't actively sabotaging them. Right. <laughs> right. If somebody yes. who has a clue about the business and value and gets the whole thing. I just get a feeling that the Knicks are have a good process for how decisions are getting made right now. And the yeah. right mix of of each type of evaluator, you know, like the Tibbs and that guy, and then the what's his name? Brock Aller or whatever. Brock like, Aller, yeah, yeah, like they just seems like there's a nice mix. You know, William Wesley, like they understand the relationships, the analytics, the coaching aspect of it. Like it just does feel like there is a, a good team at the helm. And it's, you know, it just seems insane to say, but that's, you feel that way. No, you're right. And I do think that one of the most telling signs about how just how good these guys are kind of together was the fact that we didn't, just punt on the off season. It wasn't just a punt. Like let's maintain cap space. Let's just keep cap space right. for the sake of cap space, because that's what the most popular thing in the world is, is just cap space for cap space sake. Right. Cap space picks. and picks. <sighs> right. So even to like understanding how to use all your cap space, how to use it while maintaining the flexibility like that's where you're on the next level. You're like any GM in the league, I think, could just like get cap space and hold on to cap space. It's not that hard. Just don't sign good players. Or you know. Right. But like to have it, use it, lose it, but still sort of have it in a technical way that you would need it. It's I mean just perfection. Perfection. I did we're, no, we are in a, we're in a nice position of I think having our cake and eating it too, as they yep. say. Um, yeah. And it's it's wonderful. Well, uh, maybe that would be a good time to transition from a team that used to have no clue what they were doing and now seems like a well-oiled machine to a team that used to seem like a well-oiled machine and now seems like a dumpster fire. But first, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent listener-supported radio. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn's mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, free expression, and public art. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. As it has been for so many, 2020 was a difficult year for us financially, as I assume was 2021, and every dollar helps us stay on the air and allows us to continue our work in the community. Please help by pledging whatever you can. 
Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, so all contributions are tax deductible. Please support with a monthly pledge or a one-time donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Brian, what is going on at Giants Camp? I have no idea. <laughs> like, what is what is going on? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm worried or not. Too like, I, it, you know, I'll I'll say this. I, obviously, I started our our off season very high on the Giants, and I'm trying to maintain that positivity. <laughs> but it's safe to say, it camp. You know, it's been off to a truly disastrous start. Yeah, I'm waiting to hear that one of the bunks snuck a bottle of booze there and when a position group got drunk and now everybody had to get up for up-downs at 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like, what is happening? All right, first of all, let's talk about the laps. Because the last time we recorded together, we were both were like, thank God this year we don't have to endure the whole Joe Judge thing again where it's just that should just be baked into the pie at this point we all know that he does that nobody it didn't cause any major problem last year we actually had a pretty good season i mean you know relatively speaking guys can seem to connect with judge so we're not going to talk about it but in fact we are going to talk about it why are we talking about it is this one of those things where is it real to talk about or is it just like I don't know what, like, what are you going to talk about with the Giants? I don't know if Daniel Jones is good or not. If he's good, they'll be good. If he's not, they won't be. What else is there to say about the Giants? So the people latch on to this. Is that what this is? Or is it a bigger problem? I don't know. I, you know, I think it, like it definitely is a little bit of a media creation. Like, but I did see somebody, I forget who, maybe it was like Matt Lombardo, that guy who kind of, I, I think he got, he caused a little bit of the kerfuffle with Jason Garrett, he and Pat Leonard. And there seems to be a little bit of a um, culture just clash there for those types of guys. But he did say, like, watching it, like, if you're not watching it, like Joe Judge berating guys and making them run like gassers and then, like, screaming at them as they're, like, doing push-ups after a drill. You know what I mean? Like, I do think if you've been an NFL beat writer, and even, look, a lot of these guys, like, watch Tom Coughlin coach the giants like this it probably seems pretty jarring like and i agree i thought this was over because last year we dealt with it and yeah the the players seem to be on board with it and you know i do think the giants have had this weird thing of like four guys have retired during camp so i think that's allowed the conversation to come back because it's it's been a natural like is this part of what's going on there and it doesn't seem like it is but (laughs) You know, I don't know. It's like the Giants players all seem into it. And and so you that's where you don't get that worried about it. He did do this all this year. It is his thing. On the other hand, it's certainly not my thing. It's my least thing I like least about Joe Judge, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. It does feel a little bit still like a media obsession and creation and not actually a problem. So I think it was Giants Wire posted some article about how, you know, ex-players around the league are ripping Joe Judge for creating a toxic environment. So I read the article and it's three guys. And honestly, I didn't know who two of them were. Third guy is Jeff Schwartz. None of them played for Joe Judge. They are all just in general ripping the practice of how like his coaching style, basically. 
And it's like, you know, <laughs> you don't know it. You're not there. I, like, cause I, look, yeah, it sounds terrible. It sounds like I would hate to have that happen, but I've also, you know, survived, even thrived in certain conditions where if you just give a description of it, someone would be like, well, that's terrible. You know? And you're just like, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. So I, I, I don't know. Like I, yeah, it's three guys in that story. None of whom have played for judge. All the guys that are important on the team don't seem to have a problem with it. And only one of the retirees trash judge on the way out. And he showed up to camp overweight. Like the other two guys, like Looney, for example, if he's done, and I, maybe he's not, and I don't know, and maybe he resurfaces with the Texans or something, and then it sort of changes this perspective. But Looney, like, just didn't trash Judge on the way out. Well, if you're just retiring, what do you care? You know, I, I mean. Yeah, true. So I, I do think that some of it's overblown. Like, yeah, the Kelvin Benjamin thing seemed to not go so well, but I don't know. Like, what did that guy, that seemed pretty standard to me. Like, you were given a weight to show up at, you didn't show up at that weight, and then you got cut. Like, I don't really, you know, I don't know. Maybe you could you could still think it's unfair, but to be shocked by that seems clueless. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll say this too. Like, the thing that Judge, what's interesting about him is he seems to be really tough during practice. When he actually speaks about players, he's effusive about every guy. Like, yeah. And I think that's clearly a strategy of his. Like, he raves about guys to the media. Like, every guy is working hard, doing this. Like, he seems like that's his thing is, all right, I'm going to be tough as nails during practice and with you every day and demanding as hell. But, like, I've got your back, you know? Like, right. I'm going to go out there and when they're getting questioned by the media, I'm going to say how great you're like, – and he's, he's done it with everybody. Like I've never heard him say a negative thing about a guy in the media. So it definitely seems like a strategy of his. I guess it's, it's, I just can't believe that it's how the the extent to which it has been the story of Giants camp again is like Joe judge and, and, you know, Robert Saleh is getting asked about it and seemingly, you know, whatever, throwing a little shade judges way that it's not how he handles it. Um, And, you know, I look, if you were to ask me which approach do I like, I like the the Soleil model. Like, let these guys are grown men. Like, that's how I would approach it. But I'm, that, you know, I don't think it's Joe. I definitely don't buy that it's him trying to be Bill Belichick. Like, he is very much being his own man. Um, and again, you just don't see the Giants, the players, and I think the Giants players, man, are sick of being bad. So they're like, yeah, like. <laughs> If this is what it takes to be great, this guy's coming from New England. Like, I think they're buying into it. So I don't, I just don't view it as a problem yet. Agreed. I think, right. Totally agree. It's a non-story. And I think even if it does become a problem, it's not the problem. The losing will be the problem. And then people are going to be like, all right, enough of that. But I don't think that's going to set off the problem. Yeah. It's just been, there's just been not a lot of positives coming out of Giants camp, right? There's been Galladay got hurt. The offense has looked sluggish. The line, you know, a lot of these retirements were offensive linemen. They were sort of counting on for depth. (laughs) Um, Some of the guys that you want to hear doing, like Will Hernandez, I'm not hearing great things about, you know, like, um, 
Yeah, so you just gave us a list of top. Which one of those do you want to dive into? And I'll just add the one more, which is the Jason Garrett gasp. We we could close with that, or we could get that out of the way quickly. No, let's. I mean, I think that's all part of it, right? It's like, what is going on at the Giants? Is it you know, like, and Jason Garrett is a huge part of it, like, because <laughs> you you know you haven't heard, you're not hearing great things about the. I mean, I've heard some good things yeah. about about Daniel Jones that he's having. I've heard some nice practice reports. Um, got some good news today. Saquon returned to practice yeah. off the pup list. He's off like, a, he's, a, he's a go. That's exciting. And so amid not hearing about this good, not hearing good things, Jason Garrett steps to the podium <laughs> and, and does the thing that Jason Garrett should never do as a, a member of the giants, which is make news. Right. <laughs> I thought you were going to say talk, which I would have co-signed as well. We should never but, be making news. Never the story when any day that Jason Garrett is like the story on Twitter is a bad day right. for me. Anyway, yeah, and the Giants agreed. probably. <laughs> agreed. I mean, it was a perfect storm of nonsense, right? You had Pat Leonard. Right. Just like... Because I don't know, it, I, did you think if Pat Leonard didn't tweet that the way he tweeted it, what would the reaction have been within, at least within the local media? Would it have been anything? I mean, Pat Leonard won, you know, look, well, I, I don't know that we've ever attacked anyone on this show. We're not nobody's, <laughs> right? We're doing this on Radio Free Brooklyn. Pat Leonard has a credential, whatever. He is the worst. He is the most biggest, <laughs> one of the, just a classic agitator like the spin he put on that and like knew full well what he was doing and that jason garrett was not making really a thing about the coach and you know i think i thought he was goofing around it was not that big a deal and he put that spin on it to you know look knew that this is playing right in this culture war and look that's his job right like get stuff viral make things happen like that's what he was doing um, you know, I, I, sometimes I always get mad when people are like clickbait, whatever. It's like, look, that's the currency. Like, what are yeah. they supposed to do? That's how you succeed. Um, I get it. Here's my problem with it is that there's so like, I could think of 500 really reasonable critiques of Jason Garrett as the New York giants offensive coordinator. And that's what right. Pat Leonard chose. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. And look, and yes, that's going to get more clicks than, you know, a 2,500-word article breaking down the Giants' offense and Jason Garrett's shortcomings. And right. I, I understand that, but I feel like if you're going to do one, you got to at least also do the other. Right. Give us the deep dive on how his offense fails. <laughs> right. Right. Or just, like, embarrass him on Twitter, but also get him fired. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't just embarrass him on Twitter for no reason. It actually makes you look worse and makes him look like he's getting picked on. Yeah. You don't need him to look like he's getting picked on. There's a lot of good reasons to pick on him. Right, because in the same press conference, he gave a ridiculous answer to – he was asked about why not using pre-snap motion more. And he right. gave an absurd defense about Giants going no huddle. And we joked all the time last year about the way the Giants went no huddle, which was like, <laughs> yeah. the, just no plan. Just like, hey, 
Let's mix it up. Let's, <laughs> just no purpose or rhyme or reason to it. So for him to then say that that no huddle, which accomplished nothing, was then the reason why we were unable to use pre-snap motion was like ridiculous. But I get that's like, you know, that's really in the weeds football stuff. Um, so that's not going to be the takeaway. And look, Jason Garrett, don't play any jokes. You're the offensive. You're not the head coach. Don't jet. Don't riz, raz the media because they didn't give you whatever your little call and response game was. Like, don't have fight sharpied on your shirt. Like, just don't call attention to yourself. <laughs> hey, don't have fight sharpied on your shirt. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Why did you do that? All right. We're not asking you to stop clapping. We're not right. asking you to even that probably would be legitimately difficult. It's just a personal tick you have. But these unforced errors. Can you picture what? him pulling out the marker in the morning like... I'm going to get these guys going today. <laughs> Fight. And then when he showed them, this is what it's all about, guys. Just like, right. God. Some of them are Also, like, choosing to do that, like, the day after, the Giants also make news because it's like full team brawl broke out. Right. You know, like, just all of it. Are you guys idiots? Like, there's right. just ways to avoid these problems. I bet that Although, fight on the shirt is what caused two of those retirements. They were like, you know what? I'm so <laughs> sick of this. I'm a grown man. So sick of this shit. Guy comes out here, fight. Yeah, You know what? I'm going to call his agent. I'm done. I'm so sick right. of this stupid... <laughs> yeah, just no, not right. fighting. I'm a grown adult. Fight on your shirt right in the marker not a child <laughs> get a shirt made that says fight right oh, yeah, in the magic marker got, he said it was in the wash like that's some stuff that happens at the high schools i coached at like you get one shirt it's the new york giants they got a closet full of those shirts right, right. just pathetic oh my god uh, so, all right, now the more serious stuff, the offense has looked pretty atrocious. They have not looked good. Is that more – are we going to Are we gonna choose to believe that's because our defense is so good? Or did just – are we I in just, trouble? I mean, I'm not – I just – I don't know. We haven't played a game. We haven't played anything, right? Like, they haven't done right. anything. There was one 11-on-11 that I heard Daniel Jones went 10 for 10 or something, you know? And then there's been some times, you know, I mean, Galladay's hurt. That's not ideal. Um, but Tony seems to be getting some first team reps now. Like there's some positives there. Like, let's wait, let's see them play and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll go there. But, you know, I mean, look, it's just, it's tough. It's just, he was, he reminded us all that he's a huge part of what's going to happen this year. And it's just hard to shake it. Like, how uh, scale of one to 10 or give me a percentage chance that he's fired in season. I, you know, I don't know. It would have to go so bad, right? Um, it would have to but go would it, so bad. Would it have to go so bad? Like, I don't could know. We just... like, why is he still here? If you know what I mean? Like, I mean, here's Judge. Apparently, I was a big article in the in the not big article, but there's article. Jordan Renan had an article today about Joe Judge, and he's got all these boys from out his Alabama days who called themselves the Cheap Labor Union. Or Union, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all and they're all on the staff, right? Like, 
So he's bringing in all his boys. Like, is it is it a lack of confidence he has in just taking over the offense? Is it a respect for the Maras? And, or is it an appreciation for what Jason Garrett brings to the table? I, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's a way to really know, at least from us. I mean, again, I don't know why Pat Leonard is wasting his time with that. Like, how about figure out what is Jason Garrett doing here? That's the billion dollar question. Right. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know that it has to be that bad. I do think that he hangs on to him. You know, I think that you put it the nice way to say out of respect for the Maras and or the organization. I just think that that there is heavy pressure from in the organization for them to keep him employed. So I guess that's the strongest evidence to your point that it would have to go so bad for him to get fired. But I don't know that it would have to go so bad. I mean, because I think as much as the Giants are bizarrely trying to prop up Jason Garrett for I don't know why, I do think that they love Judge. And I do think that they value him and they want him to be here for a while. And I think that if we are, you know, even similar to last year, kind of right on the cusp of at least contending for a playoff spot or for the division, I could see a world where he makes the case is to say, listen, we've given this a shot. We're within striking distance of actually accomplishing something this year. We can't, we can only go but so far with Jason calling the plays. I got to get either Freddie Kitchens in there or Shaplinsky or, 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 I mean, somebody, you know, Please look, Freddie, Freddie Kitchens. I did, I actually did a whole thing on my solo episode from earlier in the summer about Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator that year that he, you know, took over with Baker before he was the the actual head coach. And that was a, that was terrible, but he did a really good job right. with Baker. So I, you know, I listen, he wouldn't be number one on my list if we were starting an off season search, but I would prefer him to Jason Garrett. Definitely. Right. He has successfully called plays for a good offense. <laughs> right. Right. That wasn't relying exclusively on talent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I will say this for the Giants. I'm super, I am like, you know, football start, there was a game that the Hall of Fame game happened. Like I was super exciting to be like, oh, football's back. There's fans in the stands, um, at least for now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh. um, and I really can't wait to see the Giants. That said, I mean, I can't recall a, a season of Giants football that where the stakes feel this high. Like, you know, maybe maybe the 2007 Giants where, you know, Eli was coming off. He, let's face it, it had been really up and down his first three years. They'd gotten humiliated in the playoffs the year before. Coughlin's on the hot seat. They go into 20, 2007, both of them fully on the, like, uh, what's happening here? And they, you know, end up winning the Super Bowl <laughs> miraculously. Um, this feels like, you know, it's not quite the same situation, but like the fork in the road, you know, like we're either, this either comes together this year or starts to, or man, oh man. <laughs> yeah. But the thing that's weird though, is I think you're right. But as it pertains to specific people, like I think if there's carnage, I do think Judge survives the carnage. Maybe. You don't think so, huh? I don't know. It depends. I mean, it depends how it goes. Like a cockroach, is it possible that 
that Jason Garrett survives the carnage and Judge <laughs> oh doesn't. God. That's no. pot. I mean, no. You, no way. No way. You say no. no Listen, way. the first time I saw who was it? I think Daryl Slater tweet that the Giants were considering Jason Garrett before he'd even been fired from the Cowboys. This is in like December of his last season. I saw that tweet. <laughs> I feel like Anchorman. <laughs> Daryl Slater told a very funny joke. I wrote it in my journal. You know, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought that's, that's nonsense. And then he's our offensive coordinator as we speak. He's right. out there at the practice field right. calling plays. He's making news. And meanwhile, uh, like, I could see it. If you think, I think I would just said, the, the listeners can't hear it. I just said, I think the judge, if there was carnage, maybe Jones is done. Hopefully Gettleman's done. Hopefully Garrett's done. And then, uh, but maybe judge survives it and we move on with a more judge centric approach to everything, personnel, front office contracts, et cetera. But, and then you, the look on your face was like, uh, you know, maybe even judge is vulnerable to it. If judge is vulnerable, then I think it's for Jason Garrett. It's the only other explanation <laughs> for his presence in that building at all. I don't, there's no way I put a 0% chance that if the judge regime falters, that the answer the giants turn to is Jason Garrett, not 0%. I shouldn't say zero. It's greater than zero, but I would be, I would, my jaw would hit the floor <laughs> if that was the solution. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if, if they're like one in seven is Jason Garrett, the interim head coach. And then he, and then they finish. <laughs> Well, we're getting into the darkness. They go, <laughs> they go seven and ten, and Jason Garrett gets the job. I guess that's a, that's a possibility. I'm t- I'm, t- I'm thinking like if Judge gets fired at any point, I think I could see that. I could see them finishing the season six and ten, and Judge getting fired, and then uh, Jason Garrett or seven and ten or. Five and eleven, or whatever, and then Jason Garrett becomes the head coach. I could see that. I, I couldn't see I mean, that. I couldn't. See I could that. see that. How they would do that? How could they do how, that? How could they have hired him in the first place? How could they have brought him back from last Look, year? He'd, how could have, they be- he'd have all the stink. Like he would be a huge part of the failure. Like how are they going to sell their fans on Jason no, Garrett if- as the head coach? It was the lapse that was the problem. Right. Jason Garrett never did that down in Dallas. He wasn't a lapse guy down there. I can't He's imagine different. that. If they're 5-12, and 12, that Jason Garrett just... The only way I could see it is if it's like they start 1-9, and nine, they remove Judge, it's a disaster, players are complaining, and then Garrett took over, and they go 6-11. and 11. And then... Now you okay, Jason Garrett restored order. <laughs> I think you're setting the bar way too high for Jason Garrett as head coach of the New York Giants. I uh, way too high. And I'll say, I mean, I'm I'm not saying I would renounce my fandom in under that scenario, because that I don't think that's just not possible. But I I would move out. I would go to stay at a hotel for a while and I would pack a lot of clothes. So it's like this isn't just like a warning shot. I'm going to the hotel. That's where I'll be living. You can reach me there or via text. But, you know, we need a little space, us and the – like, that's what – Right, You can't right. do it. 
You can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I would start like an organization dedicated to like <laughs> fund structural change in the Giants. You know, like right. a, like whatever it is, a Facebook group, a website, a campaign. Like we, this show would become a, a campaign for structural yes. reforms of the Giants. Like if Jason Garrett, if this season's bad and Jason Garrett is the next head coach, I would, it would be like a political, I would start maybe a GoFundMe, whatever we had to do. Like, back. yes, advocating for structural reform of the New York Giants. Oh. I would, I would like to be on so the board. I pledge, I pledge that to you. And if that's the way this plays out, I will dedicate a lot of my life to major reforms of, of the Giants. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good to know. So I can move on from that. I am, I got to say, legitimately excited for our defense. I think they're going to be ferocious. Me too. I think there's a chance our defense is like much better than people are even aware of yes i i totally agree i think that i'm not unconcerned about the pass rush uh you know even uh ojalari reviews it's like i don't know i'm a little concerned that some of the things i read about him are like he actually looks pretty good he doesn't suck you know like (laughs) right it's like well i was hoping for better than that right exactly but I think that those guys got to be good enough. I think Graham can scheme up pressure. I think that all they have to do is uh, make sure that any quarterback we face isn't able to get outside of them and let our two big mamma jammas up the middle cause the problems. You know, we don't have to have big sack numbers. We just got to affect the throws or affect the quarterback or whatever we have to do um, and throw it into that absolutely terrifying secondary. Right. And the secondary is deep, you know, I mean, we really yeah. got, there's some guys that, you know, I know Sam Beal, I think is back, you know, who's a guy once they had high hopes on, like, um, it, it feels like, you know, really well set. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, and the court, you know, Patrick Graham did such a great job in his first year. Now you're talking about a second year guy. Um, everybody's going to know the defense. Like, I think the defense could be awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, that's the thing I don't think a lot of people see coming, too, because typically really good defenses regress uh, at a much higher rate, too, than than offenses that seem to have kind of a crazy year. But I think the Giants could go, honestly, in the opposite direction. I think they could be even better than they were last year. And last year, they were pretty freaking awesome. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there is definitely reason to think like it, it actually goes the other way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Good. Good. Uh, so, uh, let me see here. Let's, let's, uh, hit another ad read here. Uh, please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about programming and upcoming radio free Brooklyn events. You can sign up at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. If you'd like to listen to radio free Brooklyn, when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available at the app store for iPhone or the Google play store for Android. Well, here before, and then I'll, I'll do the, uh, the the last ad read. Radio Free yeah. Brooklyn is sponsored in part by Procare Biomedical Repair, offering little or no cost medical braces. More information is available at eight four four five nine eight six six three nine. All your medical repair, biomedical repair needs. <laughs> do you have any biomedical repair needs, Brian? 
No, but I might have some medical, straight up medical. Or I think I was, we were chatting offline. I, I'm have, I think I have an ulcer, just an old That's... man ailment. <laughs> and right. not, not in that, like, uh, my kids are giving me an ulcer and like my ulcer is giving me an ulcer. <laughs> so right. It feels like a goddamn ulcer in my stomach. Like, are you going to become a guy who has a bottle of Maalox in your pocket at all yes, times? Like you Tums. Pull it out yeah. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yes. It feels that oh, way. Oh, God. I'm worried. Oh, that's awful. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like turned 40 and I'm. it's like, these are 40 year old problems. I like lost weight. So I was feeling healthy. And now I'm like an old slob with an ulcer and bloated belly and <laughs> like what how does one get an ulcer it's stress i i assume not right? really actually apparently they used to think that stress can make it worse it doesn't actually give you the ulcer it's you get it for other reasons and then right. the stress it makes it feel worse or spicy food can aggravate it but it doesn't like give it to you right Red so, wine, I guess, maybe too. Maybe I don't know. It's not yeah. anyway. It's been a not been fun. Um, I know, and I was feeling so good. I was feeling healthy, and now I feel unhealthy. Right. Oh, that's the worst. I mean, your health too. People you know say what? Um, if you want to feel healthy, you know what I recommend. If you want to feel good about yourself and your body, I went to uh, a water park in Keensburg, New Jersey. Uh, okay. Uh, forget I forget the name of it, but the Keensburg has a there's like a, a beach and uh, amusement park part, and then it also has a water park. And people at that water park, Scott, are just letting it hang out. Like you see the bodies, <laughs> I mean, bodies pouring out of bathing suits, whether bikinis or you know your swim shorts, whatever it is. I mean, just skin and bodily parts just people just letting it go you know like no shame what this is me and i feel good and i i feel great i you know i took my shirt off i don't i'm not normally you know walking around places with my shirt off a lot i felt like a hundred bucks <laughs> <laughs> a cool because you just like you just blended right in there you know there was no one was n- noticing my body i was just like a, a a human body, but there was a feast for the eyes, both good and bad and all over the place. And I really, it was liberating. It's pseudo post COVID. Just people are getting out there. This it is was what I, I imagine being at like a nude beach might feel like, you know, or suddenly you're just like, all right, like, fuck it. You know, like we're I, all, <laughs> we're all naked. I've been noticing at the beaches that, that women's bathing suits have gotten very cheeky. I mean, this place, like the people, it was just a free, nobody had any, there was no inhibition. Yes. There was no modesty. It was just like, this is us, regardless of how anyone looked. And I I, got to say, I really liked it. (laughs) Liked being in that atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) It was so freeing. It was just like, hell, all right. Me, my wife and I, we were strutting our stuff. (laughs) And your wife turns 40 this week. She does. You're right. On Saturday. Yeah. I guess um, you're not supposed to do that on the radio. Just tell somebody, they'll put someone's age out there, but that's it's fine. Sorry. She is 40. She's 40 and proud. Here we are. It's good. Yeah. We should all be proud. We should we be. We did it. We made it. We did it. We're half dead. <laughs> 
Right. I feel like a lot of people assume 50 is like half of your life as those 100 is a guarantee because it's definitely not. No, you're not even close. In fact, there's no. very, very possible we've lived, already lived a majority of our life, right? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, climate or change could us all out. We have less time than we've spent. Yeah. Yep. That's just, well, that's a thing. <laughs> It's true. Death is coming for us all. Even you. Oh, it does. Even you, sports fans. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy the Giants this year because tomorrow you might be dead. Uh, what? What is it that uh, Matt Bevilacqua, uh, Tony Soprano says to him before he shoots him? It's like that sugarless drink is the last thing you'll ever taste. That's how I feel about what if this is the last giant season I ever see right. or what if last season was. Right. It's like drinking a tab right before right. someone shoots you in the chest. <laughs> right. Watching an offense coached by Jason Garrett before right. you croak is no yeah. pre snap motion. Right. Like, <laughs> unbelievable unbelievable oh, good you know we've never seen a knicks championship in our lives no we haven't that's the last team for me yeah it's the only one you know i feel like i've barely seen a mets tie i you know i just don't remember it i was six years old when the mets won in 1986 and it doesn't feel like i really have seen it um yeah and speaking of the mets we only have what three more minutes well like, yeah one or two Okay, let me just... I'm actually kind of happy that this Mets season has been such a disaster because of the whole Steve Cohen of it all. Like, yeah. this the way everybody greeted it is like, yay, he's coming to save us. And it's like, no, he's a crook. And right. he's not. And it's been, there are the Mets. And <laughs> it doesn't matter who the owner is. And maybe eventually they'll turn it around and this will be like a better era than the Wilpons, but there's been something sort of like hilariously comforting about how much of a typical Mets disaster this has been. <laughs> and Steve Cohen, like, no, you're not, you're not waving a magic wand and solving all the problems. Like, this is what you bought, pal. <laughs> right. But you're real fun on Twitter, so. Right. And I don't want to hear from you. And eventually we're all going to hate you just as much as we hated the last guys until you put a winning team on the field. So... Like, I mean, I mean, I'm just enjoying that this is his introduction to being the owner of the Mets is like injuries and embarrassment and just an <laughs> absolute fraud of a team falling on its face in the most typical Mets fashion possible. <laughs> so welcome to New York, Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the Yankees are surging. Right. As who would have guessed that they might do. Right. All right, Brian. That's all the time we have for this week. Uh, hopefully we get another eventful week of news, maybe a less eventful Giants week, a very eventful uh, Knicks Summer League, and we'll be back next week with more action. Thanks for listening.